0: Hi, I'm Jenna. And I'm Mark. And you're listening to Cincinnati Zoo Tales. Hi, everyone. We're back with Cincinnati Zoo Tales. And I'm excited because I have one of my good friends and, of course, co-workers here, Angela Hatkey. She is the Digital Engagement and Publicity Manager. So she's part of our PR marketing team. And unfortunately, Mark is not here today. And so we just wanted to Throw a quick episode together, learn a little bit about Angela, who loves to work behind the scenes. And I mean, she's, I call you the producer of this show. Oh. She's the producer of, of Cincinnati Zoo Tales, in my mind, and make makes this happen, <laughs> took my dream and ran with it, and put it on the internet. Well, I don't know how it works. The platforms, <laughs> I'm very technologically <laughs> challenged. I'm here to help you. Yes. <laughs> Angela's my partner in crime and helps get things done, but we do all sorts of things together. So you have a little bit of a different story because you aren't an animal caretaker and you didn't necessarily grow up like, I want to work at a zoo. So how did you get your job and did you like know anything about it? Or, you know, tell us kind of how you got started at the zoo when you weren't like, I want to work at a
1: zoo from the very beginning of time. Yeah. I grew up coming to the Cincinnati zoo and I would fight my brother to see the elephants first every single time. They're still my favorite animal. What did he want to see first? I didn't care. Just, <laughs> he wanted to see whatever I didn't want to see, of course. So I was, you know, it, it worked out. But um, so yeah, I came up, com- I grew up coming to the zoo. I spent the night here with Girl Scouts. And so I always loved the zoo, but I didn't even think that there was a job option for me because I am not that outdoorsy. I do not find snakes and turtles and save them like you do. I'm like, Jenna, <laughs> help. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I actually. I was friends with you before I worked here and your husband told me about a job opening here and I applied and somehow I got it. So (laughs) now you have like one of the best jobs because in my mind, (laughs) you get to see the coolest stuff
0: first thing. So you're a part of like the new news stories. And honestly, for me, you do so much, but like you run the best Instagram page in the country, probably, right? (laughs) Like... For anyone who doesn't know, like Angela's behind Instagram and shares all these amazing videos and pictures, and you get to be a part of some of them, of course, some of them are sent to you, but like if there's a baby hippo born, you'll be there and get to meet it and take pictures and take videos when it's appropriate and v is fine so
1: <laughs> yeah, I get and to you share don't have to deal with the poop. I know I get to share all of the cool stories and I don't have to have the the stress that you go through as a keeper or the hard, like it's hard work still, but it's different. Like, yeah, totally different. I get to come in and take pictures and maybe get a cute, like, you know, video or anything of the animal. And then I leave where you have to stay and clean. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry about that. The dirty part, but you (laughs) deal with the public and like making sure that
0: we are sharing all of the good news and all of the truth. And we're very like transparent here these days. So you're sharing some of the hardships sometimes too.
1: Yeah. Sometimes it's hard, but I think as a PR team in general, we're very transparent because I think I, I've only been here seven years, which sounds like a long time, but for zoo people, it's not that long. Yeah. It kind of so, depends yeah. who you're talking to. So I just, what, I loved following the zoo before I worked here and I was always had questions. And so I kind of just post what I think people would want to know. And we're definitely transparent here because we just like to share everything, maybe too much, but <laughs> no way. I <laughs> think everyone fun.
0: really appreciates it. Yeah. And I think because of that, like we mentioned in the very first episode of this podcast that we didn't use to share a baby was born until it was like thriving and healthy because we didn't want to share the sad news. It wasn't like we were trying to hide something going wrong. It was just, it's sad. No one wants that in their feed. But (laughs) so, you know, the fact that everyone got to follow along with Fiona since day one has kind of, you know, yeah, made us what we are. And, and really helped our social media pages. You know, Facebook is huge. Instagram is huge. We're on Twitter. We have this podcast. TikTok, TikTok. yeah, you just hit a million followers yes, on TikTok, followers right? On
1: TikTok, it's so fun. <laughs> so proud of you <laughs>
0: to hit a million. That's amazing. Thank
1: you. Uh, do you know how many followers are on Instagram? Yeah, we have almost seven hundred thousand. Wow, I'm going for a million. Yes. so please follow us. Yeah, I'll, if you're I'll not post on Instagram, all the stuff. <laughs> I feel like Instagram is a lot different because it's mostly
0: pictures and videos. Mm-hmm. It's none of the like stressful, like um, combative. I don't know what the right word is. Yeah. Like it's
1: just a different, I think each of our platforms specifically like have a different audience. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's fun to get to do, you know, we'll have the same pictures like my coworker who does Facebook and I, that we get to choose from or videos. And it's funny to see what we post differently on different platforms.
0: I actually should know that, but I always wonder if you guys choose to post at the same time or like if you try and line them up
1: or if you try and have the same caption or not, unless it's like, you know, breaking news or something, you know, like a baby's born. We definitely, and we do have wording that we try to stick to, you know, like, I don't know, just different terminology that we Mm -hmm. use or, you know, keeping it positive. We definitely don't want to be like doom and gloom if we're talking about conservation. So we do have like, there's definitely like a method, but Mm -hmm. we don't have to post like the same thing at the same time. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so I know the
0: answer to this, but what's your favorite animal for everyone listening?
1: My favorite animal is Specifically elephants, but Mai Tai the elephant. I cry every time I see her. I love her so much. She's the best. And we were actually considering going through, like, some of the Instagram
0: uh, questions you guys have sent in today. And one of them was, who is the sweetest animal? And I, like, really thought about it. And I don't think there's an answer other than Mai Tai the elephant. Like, she is the sweetest animal there is. And she, I don't know, there's just something about her. If you look at her, she's so sweet and everyone loves her. So Mai Tai is your favorite animal. And then who's next? Oh gosh. Oh, I...
1: I thought I knew the answer, but you don't. Well, do you think it's Fiona? I d- I, yes. Yeah. I, I love Fiona. I was, I was going to say, because everyone says Fiona, I was going to say Isla, the Tamandua. Oh yeah. I really love her, but I love, I don't know. After Mai Tai, I love all of them. Okay. I saw the giraffe today. I'm, they like sniffed my hand and I, it was so cool. I love all the animals, but yeah, Fiona and Isla are up there too. Okay. Yeah.
0: I like that. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't have thought of Isla, but of
1: course she's a lot of people's favorites yeah. and
0: I can see.
1: can see why for sure. And Dale the talk-in. Oh he yeah. really has my heart, but he's at a different zoo now. But yeah. He was super he cute. Was my favorite.
0: <laughs> and I think you should tell everyone about your experience with Fiona.
1: Well, thanks to Jenna and your team for letting us in there, but we got to document Fiona because we were posting every day in the beginning of her life and sharing all the updates, and um, so my team, including me, I got to go in and help take care of Fiona. I say that loosely because you guys did all the hard work, (laughs) but I was in there like every day trying to get pictures, and you still had other animals to take care of, and so it kind of started off like will you just sit in here for a minute and just keep an eye on her and sit next to her and make sure her oxygen doesn't come out? And I was like, yes. Twist my arm. Yeah. (laughs) And then it just evolved and it was like, can you stay for like five hours after work (laughs) until (laughs) Teresa gets here for the night shift? And I'm like, yes, please. I, yeah. So yeah, you and the
0: PR team like became Team Fiona with us and we called you babysitters. I don't know how you guys felt about that, but it was like, yeah, you didn't have to like worry about much of the medical or like the feeding or anything, but you guys just watched her and could call us or radio us if we were with another animal or a group of animals. So. Yeah,
1: and then we got to swim with her. And it really helped our marketing and sharing the story as well mm-hmm. because, you know, we were there for all of the big moments. So we were able to share it, which is insane access that you guys gave us. And it was really neat to... I did a Facebook Live with you and Wendy in the pool. Like, while <laughs> I was, like, there. That was, like, one of my favorite <laughs> Me memories <too. laughs> ever. That was the yeah, best Yeah, I had time. my waterproof case. I'm like, I don't know if this will work. And it it did. It was fun. <sighs> nothing oh, better
0: I you miss know that. i know we really hope this new baby that bb is about to have any day now it's Uh, July, 2022, she could have the baby any day between now and August 15th, most likely of 2022. So if you're listening to this in the future, we're not sure the baby's here yet or not, but that'll be, that's going to be the hardest part is like not getting to
1: interact with this baby. Like we did Fiona. Well, I've already volunteered. If you do need any help at all, I will be glad to come sit with the baby and
0: watch. Uh, And then we've spent a lot of time together doing cameos. So Mm -hmm. for anyone who doesn't know, cameo is this app or this opportunity to basically hire a celebrity. And of course, Fiona is recognized as a celebrity and, um, have them send you a personal message. So Angela records <laughs> and does a technology side of everything while I speak and feed Fiona. Um, so you can get a personalized message from Fiona, send to your loved one, sent to a Fiona fan, uh, a birthday celebration, that sort of thing. And didn't you send information like she's the number one requested animal? She and, is. Yeah. I mean and there's like Doug the Pug, I don't know the other like popular or famous animals. Yeah,
1: we are number one. She's a number one animal. We also have Cheetahs on there and Rico the Porcupine. Oh yes, Rico has some big fans. Yeah. But it's we've done over two thousand cameos. And the requests are out there sometimes sometimes they're just birthday messages but it's really fun and it's an excuse for me to get to see you and fiona weekly so i like it
0: there was one week we were doing like 84 we were, she was so popular and yeah. we had to raise the price because there we just like couldn't keep up with the yeah. demand and fiona has to participate like she would swim away I was like I oh Go we heck? can't do it anymore um so yeah cameo is something else that you handle mm-hmm. and press releases and news interviews and working with you know all sorts of public relations sort of things, right?
1: Yeah. Do you have a favorite part of the job? I really love meeting the animals and the care team. I think that's really fun because you guys are so excited about the animals, and then I get really excited. I'm like, because I know, like, nothing about the animals. <laughs> so I'm like, tell me more. So that's really fun to get. Like, I was excited about, like, birds at one point. Like, whatever the keeper, like, gets me excited about, I'm like, that is awesome. My, right now, it's a corpse flower. Oh, we have yes. our corpse flowers getting ready to bloom. I know more about corpse flowers than I ever thought I would. <laughs> Tell us, do you like? It, do they
0: bloom just once a year? It's usually like once every last?
1: five to ten years, <gasps> and it only lasts. Five to lasts, ten years. Yeah, and it only lasts like twenty-four to thirty-six hours. That's insane. And right now, July twentieth, it has like maybe like f- we think it's like four more days. Marking. Okay, we're guessing, but it could be a week. But wow, and it'll just be stinky for thirty six hours or 24. Wow. And then
0: it somehow attracts enough pollinators to go and pollinate another one. And then five years later, it blooms again.
1: Yeah. And the other thing is we're working with the Chicago Botanic Garden and they're going to try to send us pollen so we can help pollinate it. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Maybe
0: we should have an episode with one of the horticulture
1: teams to come, somebody from the team to come talk to us. Because it's so rare. Like I was up there today and people are just like coming in to see it. So wow. Yeah. Do you know where they're found? Yeah. In Sumatra. Oh, yes.
0: Okay. So I might have seen one when I was there, oh, it's yeah. the same thing that I'm thinking of. Probably.
1: I should know that. You Very should. cool. I should yeah. go with you I next time. Yeah. <laughs> I'll
0: help
1: you. <laughs> you can teach me about <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, we went to Africa together. Yeah. yeah. We've had a
0: lot of fun times together with the zoo, with a bunch of zoo people. It wasn't a zoo-sponsored trip, mm-hmm. but the zoo organized it and yeah. we got to go to Tanzania and it was the most amazing thing I've ever done. But, I mean your job I think is really cool and it is fun. it's like oh when I'm too old and can't move my body anymore I would want to be on your team but you do think so many things that I just have no idea what to do and I I'm would like,
1: have to help you with the technical side. <laughs> <laughs> she's like is <"Jenna's laughs> terrible at this I would hire you though you're hired
0: <laughs> thanks <laughs> but we work together with um like zookeepers in general, our job is to find things that would be worth promoting and Mm -hmm. we're sharing and taking those pictures. So we are also sending some of those. I know one of the questions was, you know, where do these pictures come from on Instagram? Who gets to take them? Mm -hmm. Who's in charge? And that's like a group effort for sure. So there are sometimes when we specifically ask you guys to come and take the photos while we're working with the animals Mm -hmm. or you ask us to work with the animals while you take them. Or we have, you know, Pat, our videographer, come. We have people just sending you things and, you know, you using them as you like have time or you see fit or whatever. So, but I think it's fun that you guys are always willing to just like jump on an opportunity. So I'm like, Hey, I have 10 extra minutes. Do you want to do a quick video (laughs) with
1: the hippos? And you're like, yeah, Yeah, whatever you you want. Yeah. (laughs) It's fun. And it's fun getting to to decide like what photos to use on what platform and when to share them and when not. So that's a fun part of my job, I think.
0: Very cool. Yeah. What's like the hardest part of your
1: job? Um... There's, like, my job's a lot of scheduling, and so it's like, you know, if the news will be like, I want to come here in ten minutes, what can we do? And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, we have plenty of stories to tell, it's just sometimes last minute, and trying to get everyone on the same page for, you know, coordinating. But I like that part, too, but it is kind of, all we do is ask the keepers for their time, so I'm like, how can I spread this out? (laughs) What can I ask for? (laughs) Um, But it's still a fun part. Very cool. But that is, and you know. You always have trolls, so it's not, I have thicker skin now about that than I did, but um, yeah, you just have to learn to, like, ignore them, and it's okay. I find myself (laughs) reading
0: comments too You get too mad. Yep, and I'm like, why would they say this? Why would they think this? And Angela's
1: probably like, stop texting me. (laughs) No, I try to respond for you, but yeah, sometimes you just have to ignore it. Like, some are just nonsensical or unrelated.
0: Why can't people just be nice?
1: (laughs) We have mostly nice people. Yes. It's usually when the posts get... Like viral or bigger than our main audience, that we get people that just that makes sense. don't know the backstory and. Have a lot of questions. <laughs> yeah, have a lot of questions. <laughs> comments. Either. Yeah, Thanks be nice on the
0: internet, yes, everyone. Be nice
1: to me. It's just me. You're t- tweeting or <laughs>
0: messaging. <laughs> it's a real human behind this. <laughs> oh man. Well, okay. So speaking of your job and Instagram and things, we pulled some questions that um, people had sent in when we asked them to a while back, and we just thought we'd do a quick episode um, since Mark isn't here. We thought we'd get one in and. Um, have something to share for you guys and just maybe answer some of these that don't even necessarily go together, but I'll do my best to answer them if you want to throw any at me.
1: Yeah, of course we have a lot here. It's hard to decide. Or you can answer them
0: too. If, I,
1: if any <laughs> of them no, you're the expert. Yeah, <laughs> um, necessarily. Jeannie asked, uh, was BB's pregnancy planned and why did Tucker join the family? So we, um,
0: talked about this plenty of times if you followed along, but BB is pregnant um, with Tucker. Um, he came from San Francisco Zoo and was recommended based on our species survival plan to be a good match for BB genetically. And he had been alone at the San Francisco Zoo for like 10 years. So it was a good time to, you know, bring him back to being a social hippo. And also, BB is, you know, 23. She had Fiona five and a half years ago. So it's time she can breed again. We have the space, we have a fantastic habitat. Um, it's beautiful, and we wanted Tucker to be happy. So she was on birth control. We weren't necessarily hoping to have a baby right away. We were kind of learning to manage three hippos at once and hoping they would all get along. Um, and Bibi and Tucker get along fine, but I wouldn't say they're best friends at this point. Bibi's <laughs> still a little bossy and like, this is my home. Um, but Fiona and Tucker are getting along so well. Um, so yeah, Tucker was brought here for breeding purposes. We try and spread out genetic diversity and it's fine that baby's pregnant now, but yeah, we definitely didn't like plan for it to be this soon. But they found a way, and we yeah. are now really excited <laughs> for a baby. <laughs> so
1: excited! <laughs> um, speaking of that baby, do you have any name ideas? Oh, you know
0: what? Our only name idea was taken. <laughs> I know. So we we were playing around with the idea. My coworker Molly came up with this cute idea. If it's a if it were a baby girl hippo. Thought about naming it Whoops a Daisy because <laughs> like I said, BB is on birth control. But as you probably have heard, we are our cat ambassador team is currently raising a cheetah named Rosie, and all of you, the public, voted on um, the puppy companion to be named Daisy. So no, we have literally no other ideas, <laughs> and no, we don't know the gender. I think people think we're hiding it. Yeah, we don't know the gender of this baby hippo calf. Like. I don't think you understand how hard ultrasounds are to get a clear image on a hippo in general. And then to see, like, the gender is nearly impossible. And... um,
1: baby skin is so thick. Yeah,
0: it's like two inches thick. We're going through abdominal muscles and (laughs) fat and organs and everything. And also male genitalia is internal. So it's not like there's anything super obvious for us to find (laughs) down there. So, no, we're lucky. Those... Feet shots that we have were like my favorite thing ever, and we got to yes, see the baby feet like kicking. Movie. But that was, yeah, that was even lucky to get that.
1: <laughs> this question I see a lot when I post it on Instagram uh, Do the hippos, are you worried they're gonna choke on their food? Because we give <gasps> them like. Huge... I've never seen that one. Really? We yeah. Eat it all the time. When we give them like big watermelons or pumpkins, like people are very worried about which obviously we're not going to give them something that's dangerous. but
0: Interesting. Yeah. So obviously anyone or any mammal or anything could probably choke on if you, I don't know, don't chew it correctly or something. But so hippo mouths are giant, of course, at the opening, but just like us, like their throat gets smaller. They have like teeth that they're chewing it up and a a watermelon can't get like stuck back there, just the way their anatomy works and the size of everything. So I've never worried about that and I don't think anyone really needs to. Um, but it is like a tricky thing. They're smashing a whole watermelon or yeah. a pumpkin, but then they just usually go underwater and chew it up and half of it, you know, floats away and then Fiona gets it or, or <laughs> they get it later. But isn't there a bite force
1: like oh my gosh, you were telling me I don't remember these. Yeah, that.
0: <laughs> it's like eighteen hundred PSI, so they have the strongest of any mammal bite force. That's insane. Yeah. I mean, they're very dangerous. (laughs) (laughs) Ours don't seem dangerous, but they are. Gavin wanted to know what our heaviest animal is. You know, I don't, like, have the actual number, but I would assume it's Sabu, our male Asian elephant. If it's not him, then maybe Shotzi. She's a really, really large female. And I actually was really lucky and worked in the elephant house for a while um, as a seasonal. And... I wanna say she was over nine thousand pounds. Yeah. So I don't know what she is currently or what he is currently, but between nine and eleven thousand pounds I bet. Yeah. Uh Sabu is.
1: And Tucker's only four. 000?
0: Yeah. So uh yeah, he's just breached like forty four hundred pounds. Um so double Tucker. Yeah. And That's and crazy. our male giraffe. Um, the largest one we had was only 2,200 pounds and then okay. rhinos are usually in the 1500s mm-hmm. to 2000s. So it's gotta be
1: an elephant, yeah. Shotzi or Sabu. I volunteered at Elephant once and I made it like two weeks. It was so hard. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of shoveling. It was too much. I was too weak. I can not do it. They're tough. She loves elephants, but she wants to share their story rather than clean up. I That's try. Totally I did try. Funny. I yeah. did try. <laughs> um, I like this question. Madeline asked, what's it like at the zoo? The vibes. Oh gosh. <laughs> um, I think one of the coolest parts about working at the zoo
0: is it's not like an regular office, right? Oh my gosh. I should have you answer this. Because <laughs> Angela has the best office vibes of anyone, anywhere. Like you guys have so much fun, but I think the coolest part is where we can be outside, you know, some days that means we're all grumpier like today when it's like a real feel of 110 degrees and we're sweating or it's like a beautiful day and we're all just walking around and enjoying it. It's, um, but mostly it's all good vibes. And of course there's animals to look at and so many things to like excite you. So um, the zoo is a really fun and pretty relaxed place to work. Like Mm -hmm. we're, we're lucky that our management, um, you know, likes to have fun too and sees the, you know, cool experiences that our guests get to have. They think we should have those too. um, Obviously as long as we're getting our work done and, it's a really cool place, but Angela and her coworkers have lots of fun. We have a lot of fun. They play pranks. They dress up. Like <laughs> I don't like the pranks. I'm I don't jealous. like being
1: scared. But that is a huge thing in our office. <laughs> We've scared you before.
0: Co- well, yeah.
1: Did you? We actually? tried. Yeah, I was yeah. say, Did you actually scare me? I we can't even remember at this point. Um. <laughs> all right. This. Uh, this question is: Is the zoo a one or two day adventure?
0: So you could definitely make it a two-day adventure, but I think if you started early and you had the energy, you could see it all in a day for sure. And it kind of depends on the type of person or visitor that you are. Mm -hmm. For example, my mom loves to stop and read every (laughs) single sign and watch the animal for a (laughs) long time. But if you're like, ah, the animal's not really doing anything, I'll move on. You could definitely have it done in half a day. Or like I said, if you like to sit and just enjoy the animals and watch them, you could uh, definitely find enough to do in two days for sure. But I would say on average, it's about like a six hour probably trip if you want to see
1: everything. But Mm -hmm. if you're just like
0: doing a loop and walking around, definitely
1: two hours. All right. Let's see here. Um, this person is asking, is it hard? Like what animals are hardest to give medicine to? They they need tips for hard patients.
0: (laughs) That's funny. It's definitely department by department. Somebody else could give a more accurate answer, but I would like to go ahead and guess primates are often because they're just so smart and they're so human. Like if you're trying to give it to them orally and they taste something bad, they're most likely going to spit it out. Mm -hmm. And then the ones that are most um, food motivated, like hippos, for example, are probably the easiest, but the smarter ones and the pickier ones, um, are usually the hardest to medicate. So things that we do here is actually train and reward. So I don't know what (laughs) kind of patients, what ages you're working with, but if you could convince them like, Hey, if you take this pain pill or this antibiotic right now, then... You can go for a walk around the hall or you can, I don't know, have your friends visit. I have no idea what kind of reinforcement (laughs) reinforcement you can give to a patient and what kind of patients they are. Maybe it's like you go get them their favorite snack or you promise to leave them alone for three hours or something. I have no idea. (laughs) But reinforcement. So we can ask an animal to take a pill and then give them their favorite food. We can hide it and mask it in something that they don't normally get. So, you know, primates may not normally get Gatorade, but it's a, a fun treat for them. So... You can put powder in and mix mm-hmm. it up, and then they get to take the Gatorade. So um, definitely training with positive reinforcement afterwards or, um, yeah, just kind of trying to find them their favorite food and hiding it in there is <laughs> sometimes what we have to do for sure. And <laughs> our department, I would say the trickiest... It would just probably be, like, the pickier birds that are smaller, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. But, like, our meerkats, they'll take anything in a meatball because they just really (laughs) love food. (laughs) That's so cute.
1: (laughs) All right. Spencer wants to know, how much food do the animals go through in one day? Oh, that's a tough question to answer because there's so many different types of animals. Maybe just ones you take care of.
0: Yeah, so, um, for example, like, the hippos are... Uh, the girls, our females, BB and Fiona are eating about 40 pounds of food a day. That includes hay, grain, and produce. Tucker gets 36 pounds of hay on his own. So he's getting about, uh, 55 pounds of food a day. Um, and then we have something like as small as our Guinea fowl that are just sharing, um, you know, a couple hundred grams worth of, um, like grain made for them. And also like lettuce and egg or corn on the cob, um, or our cockroaches, they only eat three times a week. No, they can eat all the time. <laughs> we we trade out their food every, um, every other day, and so they're getting, like, you know, just little apple slices, and Angela made a face at that. <laughs> but then we have manatees that are actually the most expensive animals mm-hmm. to feed here at the zoo, and they go through cases and cases and cases of different types of lettuce every day. So they're the most expensive, yeah. and getting probably... Potentially the most poundage, even more than elephants. Maybe I don't know the exact numbers, unfortunately, for that question.
1: Yeah, I knew the manatees were the most expensive to feed. Mm -hmm. That's a lot. I'm the pickiest eater. (laughs) You are. (laughs) I'd be the easiest to feed. (laughs) I'm the least picky. (laughs) (laughs) All right, um, Chuck wants to know what is the most interesting animal and the most popular animal. It's kind of opinion-based, but For know. sure. Most
0: popular, though, like, we can't even try and yeah. deny it, is Fiona. She Definitely. might be the most
1: popular animal in the world. Like, and we can't make up what she does. No. Like, we'll just be standing there, and she, like, does a hundred year wiggles at once, or, like, I don't know. Or forces. finds somebody who wants to take a picture and yes. poses with them. Like, she just... Like the engagement. The proposal.
0: Yes. Yeah. She's like, oh, you want a special moment? I'll yeah. help. I'll be here. She, like, finds the camera.
1: and Just yeah. goes
0: to it. So she's definitely the most popular. Uh, What was the other question? The most
1: interesting.
0: Oh, yeah, that's definitely, like, opinion-based.
1: Yeah. I will say, my coworker Amy would say the Guam Rail. Oh. And they're extinct in their native habitat. Yes. But we have them here at the zoo. What makes them the most interesting? Do they have cool behaviors, or she just thinks the fact that they're... Yeah, I think because they're just so, like, they're not found in the wild anymore, because I want to say that the snakes they're ground birds. So like snakes took them out. Oh wow. And so I think we're trying to do like reintroduction things with that species, but that for her or the leaf cutter ants. Oh, the leafcutter ants are so interesting. I've spent like 45 minutes with my mom who loves to read these
0: things, like talking to one of the like, um, exhibit guards and learning about them Mm -hmm. and watching them. They are really fascinating. Those are good. Yeah, I'm glad you brought those up. And we should probably do an episode on both of those species. I
1: agree.
0: Um, I think our painted dogs, are just as a species as a whole, are very, very interesting, Mm -hmm. which we need to do an episode on them as well.
1: Yeah. All right. What animal causes the most trouble? Sarah wants to know. Oh, gosh. In our department, it's easily Bubba the Vulture. (laughs) Really?
0: Yeah. I've always loved him, and he's always so cute and curious. And as he gets older, and we brought in another... Uh, Rupal's Griffin vulture for him to have a buddy not a mate but they're both boys but they build nests together and Mm -hmm. if you get near their nest, Bubba will bite you so you have to be on alert (laughs) and make sure you are being careful and watching him but he's just being really protective and it's the cutest thing in the world to watch them they gather sticks then they just push them around in, in weird like ways and kind of make these horrible like not Greatness, like no egg would actually sit <laughs> yeah. in there um and he causes and and then like so if you are trying to feed another bird like icky or sattable stork he'll come over and try and steal her food and oh. you have to like we have to have a babysitter kind of when bubba's around and you're feeding another animal he'll hop up in the wheelbarrow and just like take sticks and poop out that you just cleaned up and put in there so he's one oh of my, my very gosh. favorites but probably the most troublesome
1: yeah. I think our kangaroos are troublesome, too. Oh, yeah. I think they're always looking to get into where the little blue penguins are. Oh, no way. They're yeah. like, I would like they to They just, like... like, look in the door and try. Like, so we have to have, like, a keeper or someone there stationed so they don't... Which, I
0: guess, I don't know maybe, if it would Maybe they bad. should go back there and look at the penguins. Right?
1: Enrichment. <laughs> <In> <laughs> exactly. Um, that kind of goes with that. Enrichment, how do you collectively keep the animals happy? Someone
0: asked. Yeah, so that's, like, um, you know, looking at the animal as a whole and their natural, like history basically where do they live what do they eat how do they survive what are their family groups like and we try and imitate that as best as we can so sometimes people will see an orangutan by themselves and they get sad or Mm -hmm. upset with us and it's like no they are solitary animals and sometimes if you try and force it they're actually more upset if you give them a partner to live with um so looking at all of those things and enrichment is one of the most fun ways and obvious um sometimes you might see something a little weird in in a (laughs) habitat like with meerkats we'll just recycle plastic bottles and cut little holes in them and put bugs in and then screw the cat back on. And then the meerkats have to like stick their little arms in and pull the <laughs> bugs out or roll it around. So that's something natural. They would be digging into little crevices and termite mounds and holes for grubs and such. So it doesn't look natural, but it's a natural behavior that we're doing mm-hmm. um, to make sure that they live happy, healthy lives. We have a nutritionist here that um, looks into all of their diets and, you know, that's one of the reasons that hippos don't
1: get watermelons every day.
0: Yeah, We have to follow the diet to make sure they stay healthy. Yeah, you know? they stay
1: healthy. So we're we would to ask too much of that if we yes. could. We'd be like, can we do it again? Every day.
0: <laughs> yeah. So we're following strict diet plans. We're giving them nutritionally complete diets, making sure they have veterinary care, um, making sure they're living with the right type of other animals, either the same as themselves or mixed species habitat is one of the best ways to give animals enrichment and like a natural life. So that's why I love our savanna so much. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there's so much that we do and we're always looking into it and trying to do better by them.
1: That was hard for me to understand when I started here that some animals prefer to be alone because I just cannot relate to that. Like I do not like being alone. So I'm like, I don't understand. Like, but they, like the black rhino kind of Mm -hmm. likes to be alone. And yeah. Yeah. And they'll actually, you know, go after each other sometimes
0: depending on the species. If a a male approaches a female and she doesn't want him around, (laughs) like.
1: Yeah. Um, All right, let's see here. Claire was wondering, this is a good question, what kind of conservation do you do for the native species of the area? Yeah, so we
0: actually um, do quite a bit. And again, this is just like one of those... Episodes where we're just giving you brief answers, and I would love to do a whole yeah. a whole episode on our Plant for Pollinators program. Um, so we're working to boost pollinator populations by doing beekeeping. We restore a pollinator habitat. Uh, we're propagating pollinator-friendly plants at our offsite Boyer property, which is 600 acres. We're like reforming that uh, wetlands area. There are thousands and thousands of tadpoles and frogs and snakes and and then of course plant mm-hmm. different. Plant species out there and um, that's a really cool property where we're literally like growing plants and learning about them and providing food for other pollinators by doing those things so that's something we're doing for native species for sure and then we have um, if you go to our website there's different options like how to make shelters for certain birds or bat boxes and owl homes and things like that, that you could do to help with, uh, you know, our native wildlife. And then we do have like beekeeping and, and I think that's a really cool thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, honeybees are responsible for pollinating, I think like a third or more of mm-hmm. our, um, like our, the food that we eat. Yeah. So without honeybees around we won't have food to eat so definitely looking into bees and all sorts of things but yeah we'll do an episode on that to answer that like further in the (laughs) future
1: um this is an easy one Maeve just wanted a shout out from you (laughs) (laughs) hi Maeve (laughs) thanks for uh well I don't know if you're a listener because this was Instagram yeah hopefully Hopefully she listens yeah and thank you if you do (laughs) let us know what you want to hear about (laughs) Do you have time for two more questions? Sure, let's do two more. Okay, they're kind of related. This one is, when is the best time to see the red pandas? Do you know this? Oh, you know, I got to work with them way (laughs) back in
0: the day when I was in Wildlife Canyon, but I have not worked with them since, like, what was that, 2013 Mm -hmm. or so. But um, they are diurnal, so they're typically awake during the day, but they sleep a lot. So to say that, um, you know, it doesn't mean you're going to see them a ton, Um, but obviously the cooler months so if mm-hmm. you're here in the in the winter which we are open year-round festival of lights is one of my favorite times to come to the zoo and it's not the best time to see animals but it's amazing and beautiful and like it just feels like the holidays kind of yeah but the red pandas are going to be one of those animals or if you come before it's dark mm-hmm. you can definitely see them because they like the colder weather um but if i were going to guess i would say early morning first thing um or probably closer to like three thirty and on is usually when a lot of animals get fed. So they're up and active too. Um, I don't know if you walk by them often, if you've noticed a specific time.
1: Yeah, I would agree with you. I think for most of the animals, it's like late afternoon or really early in the morning. Um, And that was the second question, just like best time of day to see all of the animals. But Fiona especially is like late afternoon, right? Yeah. So a lot
0: of times people come in the mornings,
1: especially if they're members, they want to get in
0: right away. And that is a good time, but kind of depending on our mornings, like for example, if I'm working um, our dog-lion routine, I'm going to do one of those first, right? So I might put the painted dogs out around 8 a.m., and they're going to be active until like 9, <laughs> but in the meantime, I'm doing lions, and the painted dogs are sleeping by the time the zoo opens. Yeah. So it kind of depends on how early you can get here, but honestly, like it's so nice to be here at the end of the day. The cr- I shouldn't say this, but I'm yeah. going to ruin the secret. <laughs> but the crowds die down, and the animals are usually pretty active, mm-hmm. because a lot of animals are crepuscular meaning they're most active at dawn and dusk um and also it kind of goes with their keeper schedules you know most of us are leaving anywhere between 3 30 and 6 30 so they're getting fed in that time range Mm -hmm. so they're kind of up and active and waiting for food too core are there any more questions you wanted to do or did anything else you
1: want to tell us about your job or um i mean i love my job is just so fun and i get to like know everyone in the zoo and see all the animals and yeah just follow us on all the social media platforms. I'm, I think we're on like almost all of them. So yeah, Yeah. probably more than I even know about. (laughs) I'm not a Twitter user. I don't know much about that. It's fun. You should go on there, (laughs) (laughs) but no, I think there, that was pretty good. There's a lot of questions about career and I think we should do another episode episode just about that. that. Yeah. Okay. That sounds good to me. Yeah.
0: Well, thanks so much for joining. Yeah. I don't
1: have trivia for you. I mean, I would be so bad.
0: <laughs> Mark would be like, oh my gosh.
1: we're both, probably I'm much both better be to... than when I first met you. Yeah, yeah. Because I was like afraid facts? to be the giraffe. Oh, know. yeah. And about animal facts. <laughs> I mean, I don't know.
0: I guess I've seen little kids afraid of giraffe. I don't know why people would be afraid of giraffe. What were you afraid
1: of? I just, I didn't know if it was going to bite me or not. But now that I've done the giraffe feeding and I realize they're, they're very chill. They're very nice. Yes, they <laughs> definitely are. <laughs> Well, thanks for being here. Yeah. Um, I did have one more question for you. I forgot. Uh, Jenna, no one ever gets to ask you this. What can you do? What can you do for conservation? Yes.
0: I never... The one episode Mark interviewed me, we, we forgot <laughs> yeah. all about it. So yeah. I'd love to answer. What okay. can I do? Okay. Yeah. Uh, off the top of my head, one of my favorite things that's just really easy. It's, it's a one-time purchase for sure, but something that I feel like I'm making somewhat of a difference, not in like an animal's life, but as far as my waste and usage of things, uh, specifically paper towels is I bought these, um, they're called on paper towels. Okay. And so basically they send you, and this is something, if you're crafty, you could make yourself. So these unpaper towels are basically just like a thin piece of fabric, mm-hmm. like a cloth napkin, but they're thinner than that. And they're not as fancy and you like can wrap them around a roll like you would of paper towels. And so rather than using a million paper towels, for example, to clean up my toddler after he eats, (laughs) I use these on paper towels, which is essentially like a thin rag, but they're cute and, you know, nicer than a rag and fit on a paper towel holder, that (laughs) sort of thing. So, um, and I, you know, can just wipe him down with that and throw it in the laundry and reuse it for years. Like I've had mine for years. So it just saves first of all, money and then less waste. Mm-hmm. So I only buy paper towels like a couple times a year and I use them when I have like messes that are really gross yeah. or something, but otherwise I just use the unpaper towel. So that is my one. I always have a million ideas. I that's the first one that came to my head, but <laughs> that's the, a good one. Yeah. Something I don't think we've talked about before, but something you could do and you could even, like I said, make your own or make your own version or just try to use cloth napkins rather than paper ones mm-hmm. or something at home
1: thanks for asking yeah thanks for answering that was fun thanks for having me yeah
0: well thanks for being here I'm sad I don't have trivia for you but thanks for filling in for Mark sort of um and just kind of making a different episode and thanks for producing these you're welcome happen you're welcome it's fun I've learned a lot (laughs) all right well thank you everyone for listening to another episode have a wonderful day